Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Go For It. I am your host, Paul Gannon. For the next two hours, we will be talking sports and having fun doing it. I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. And, of course, as always, you will get a heavy dose of my opinion. If you have an opinion, number to call, 646-727-3070. That's 646-727-3070. You can listen to the show at blogtalkradio.com slash pgan. That's blogtalkradio.com slash pgan. And you can send messages to the show, A, at the chat room on blogtalkradio.com slash pgant, under pgant. So go there, check it out, hit me up. We can chat it up as I do the show. Or on Twitter, at GoForItGant. And while you're there on Twitter, at GoForItGant, hit me up, give me a follow. More often than not, I'll follow back. Great show lined up for you today. Great show lineup for you today. Expected to be joined by Colts linebacker Moses Foku. Moses and his Colts went up against the world champion Ravens, who are the world champions after winning the Super Bowl last week. He went up against them earlier in the playoffs. Ultimately, they will lose to the Ravens, just like everybody else in these playoffs. But we're going to talk to Moses Foku about the Super Bowl, get his take on what he saw Sunday night, last Sunday night in New Orleans. Also, we're going to be joined by Joseph Julian Soria, actor and one of the stars of Lifetime's hit series, Army Wives. He's a big-time football fan, big-time sports fan. So we're going to get his take on what he saw in Super Bowl Forty-Seven in New Orleans and also talk about some of the new things going on with Army Wives coming up in Season 7. Great show. My wife's a big-time fan. She watches it on a consistent basis, big-time show. So we're going to talk to Joseph about that particular show, talk a little football, and talk sports and have fun doing it like we always do at this time. That's what we always do at this time. But I want to start with the Super Bowl in New Orleans last week. The Ray Lewis farewell tour ended, I guess, where it was destined to end, in New Orleans. And the Ravens were the victors 34-31. I should say, as the Ravens gave up a last-second safety there. But it was 34-31, the Ravens escaped. The Ravens are the world champions. And it it was an improbable run in a lot of ways because I had the Ravens not getting this far, obviously. I didn't expect the Ravens to get to the point that they got. I mean, I didn't expect the Ravens to beat the Denver Broncos. I didn't expect that. And I said on this air, and I said it numerous times, but after they beat the Broncos, I knew they were going to beat the Patriots. And then the 49ers came up, and I, and I kept saying to myself, and I kept saying to you guys, the only reason I have some fear about this pick is the Ray Lewis effect. And granted, Ray Lewis didn't have a big-time effect on the Super Bowl. He didn't really play all too well. Not one of his better performances. And it might be a good time judging by that performance that he is moving away and walking on, walking away from four. might be a good time. Just judging by that performance. But anyway, anyway, it was the Ray Lewis ride, the, the final hurrah, if you will. And 
My only fear in picking against the Ravens was Ray Lewis, not Ray Lewis' effect. He said it. No weapon formed against this team will prosper. If God before this team, who could be against this team? And he was right. I mean, that's all you can say. He was right. Obviously, he was right. He knew something that we didn't know. He knew something that all of us didn't know. He knew something that a lot of us didn't know, that the Ravens would win the Super Bowl. It's amazing, this ride that the Ravens had. I mean, and you started to think maybe this team was Destiny's Child. maybe, And it was fitting that Destiny's Child was singing at the Super Bowl. It was so fitting that Beyonce, Kelly, and Michelle reunited at the Super Bowl singing some of their great hits, and that was a big-time performance, and big Beyonce is big-time, both in terms of her performance and the way she looks. She is big-time. But anyway, anyway, that's not really relevant to this conversation. But anyway, it was that they were Destiny's Child, and it was fitting, like I said, that the Destiny's Child was reunited at the Super Bowl because that's what the Ravens were. No matter, and the, no matter the weapon that formed against this Raven ball club, they still prospered. It's, they still prospered. It didn't matter that against the Broncos, Trenton Holiday had two special teams touchdowns. That didn't matter. That didn't matter to the Ravens. That weapon that tried to form against the Ravens in the form of Trenton Holiday wasn't enough. It didn't matter. It didn't prosper. It prospered, but it didn't prosper enough. And then, and then, you go on, and somehow, some way, late in that ball game. The safety, Raheem Moore, is not deep enough in that particular situation. He should have been, but he wasn't. He wasn't deep enough. And guess what? Because he was not deep enough, Jacoby Jones, Jacoby Jones, who had a big-time Super Bowl, but Jacoby Jones got behind him and made a catch, a 70-yard touchdown. 70-yard touchdown. In improbable fashion, the Ravens, the Ravens tie up the game. And then, and here's the thing, and then in the, in the uh, overtime in that particular ball game, Peyton Manning turns into a rookie quarterback. He turns into a young quarterback. He tries to throw across his body over the middle. You don't do that. That's a cardinal sin. In the NFL, the Cardinals said in football, period. And Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning did it. He did that. He threw across his body, and he was picked off, and ultimately the Ravens would drive it down. Justin Tucker would kick them into the championship round. The thing about that is it's just so improbable how things happen. It's just so improbable how these things happen. It's just improbable how the Ravens got to the point how they got to the Super Bowl. It was just an improbable run. And then the Patriots, the mighty Patriots, Bill Belichick's Patriots, this team, when they're in control at halftime, they were up at halftime, they just don't lose. I don't have the stat in front of me, but I know it's in their favor. They don't lose. And guess what? Down 13-7 against Tom Brady and the Patriots, guess what happened? The Ravens, A, the Patriots didn't score again, and B, the Ravens will go on to score a few touchdowns and ultimately win that game. And then we moved to the Super Bowl. And then we moved to the Super Bowl. And you started to think, you know what, this it has to end here, but the 49ers, the way the 49ers are playing, that defense to the 49ers, Colin Kaepernick, the explosive 49ers offense, 
You would think it would end at that point. You would think it would end, and then the Ravens jumped down on them, jumped down on them, big time in that particular ball game, to the tune of twenty-eight to six at one point in the third quarter, twenty-eight to six in the third quarter, and at that point, when Jacoby Jones hit him with that 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 kickoff return to start the second half, you were saying to yourself. It's probably a wrap at this point. This game is probably over. And then at the same time, you were also saying, you know what, At the in, in the back of my head I was saying it, it could be over, but at the same time I was also saying to myself, well, 49ers were down 7 and nothing against the Green Bay Packers after a pick six by Tremont Williams. Remember that? And then, might have been Sam Shields, but then, then, Against the Atlanta Falcons, you're down 17 and nothing, and then you find a way to come back in that particular ball game. You're down seven and nothing against the Packers. You come back in that particular ball game, dominate the route. You have a big time performance by Colin Kaepernick. Same thing in Atlanta, down 17 and nothing. And this team, the 49ers, gotten off to slow starts in these playoffs. You can't continue to 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 test your luck, is what I say. Because you can't continue to fall down seventeen nothing, twenty eight to six, and expect to win ball games. You can't expect to keep coming back like that. You're playing big time football teams, so you can't expect to keep falling down, getting down that many points, and then expecting to have a monster comeback. You can't expect to do that week in and week out, and expect to be successful. The Forty ers did that. They did that. They did that. They were down 7-0 seven, seven against the Packers, down 17-0 against the Falcons, and then now 28-6 against against the Baltimore Ravens. But they came back. They stormed back. And you could argue that the power going out may have helped them. The, the 49ers were, were the team that responded well after – the power went out after the lights went out. 34-minute delay. A 34-minute delay. And then the 49ers came back. 17 points in less than four and a half minutes. 17 points. 17 points in four and a half minutes. And then you started saying to yourself, Wow. Wow, this team, this 49ers team is a tough bunch, and they are a tough bunch. There's no question about that. They are a tough bunch. This is a tough football team here, and they've proved that over the course of these playoffs and over the course of this season, quite frankly. It's a tough team. Down 28-6. to six. Down 28-6, to six, and you're saying to yourself, is it finally over? But no, they storm right back. They stormed right back. They came right on back. Crabtree, 31-yard touchdown pass from Colin Kaepernick. 49ers defense steps up, forced the Ravens to punt, get a nice little punt return from Ted Ginn Jr. Then Frank Gore scores from 16 yards out. Then it's 28-20. to We have a ball game at that point. We're still in the third quarter. We have a ball game at that point. There is a ball game now. Then Ray Rice, 
who've had some fumble issues throughout the course of these playoffs. Ray Rice is not known as a fumbler. Two fumbles against the Colts, a fumble in the Super Bowl against the 49ers, 49ers cash in with a field goal by David Akers, and then you look at that particular situation, David Akers missed the first field goal, but it was a rough in the kicker penalty. He gets another shot, and he bangs it from 34 yards out, 28 to 23. And I looked at the kicker situation going into that game. David Akers has struggled throughout the course of this season. He really has struggled. He did not, he, he's had a very forgettable season, David Akers, a very forgettable season. This is not one of his better seasons. It could be his last season. I don't know if you're the 49ers, you can take a chance, as good as your ball club is. I don't know if you can take a chance of bringing this guy back. 29 for 42. 29 for 42. Missed 13 field goals. That's a lot of field goals to miss. And he missed a 38-yard field goal against the Falcons in the uh, NFC title game. Almost cost you. And that was a big miss at the time. Fortunately, his 49ers were able to respond. And the miss that he had initially would have been a big-time miss. But it was a rough in the kicker penalty. He gets another shot. He nails it. But the kicking situation is something the 49ers will have to undoubtedly address in the offseason. They're going to have to address that. They, they don't really have a choice in the matter. They need to address their kicking situation. And I know it's only a kicker, but, hey, there are three phases to a game, three phases of a team, three parts of a team, special teams, offense and defense. If your special teams is leaky, giving up a kickoff return to Jacoby Jones and missing a field goal, ultimately they get another shot and ultimately they hit the field goal. But if your special teams is leaky, it could cost you football games. Ravens come on back. They kick a field goal. Nice little drive by the Ravens. Nice response by the Ravens. And then 49ers come on back, and they score a touchdown. Kaepernick, 15-yard run, longest run in Super Bowl history by a quarterback. And then... They go for two. They miss that. Still 31 to 29. Ravens come back, kick a field goal, and then, and then 49ers have one last shot. They drive the football down, and they get it all the way down to the seven-yard line. And you're saying to yourself, my goodness, the 49ers are going to make this comeback. The 49ers are going to win this game. And you may not believe me, and I had the 49ers winning this game, but throughout when they when they were down there, against the Ravens, something crept into my mind. And something just crept into my mind at the time. And I was I was saying to myself, and as it got into my mind, I started to process it, started to think about it within my mind. The Ravens are going to stop them here. I actually said that to myself, that the Ravens are going to stop them here. I, I felt it in my heart that there was no way the 49ers were going to score here. I didn't think the 49ers were going to score here. I really didn't. I really didn't think the 49ers were going to score. And, you know, you can question the play calling. You can definitely question the play calling. Why weren't they in doing the read option? Letting Colin Kaepernick get to the outside. And that timeout, there was a play that if you saw the play run, before the play ran, they called the timeout. But you saw they did snap the ball before the timeout was called. And it looked like that was a design run for Colin Kaepernick. That looked like it was going to be a design run for Colin Kaepernick. Can you question the, the play calling down there? I mean, handoff to Michael James, they stuffed that, and then three straight passes by the 49ers. And they didn't get in. The Ravens wouldn't allow them to get in. And I heard Ron Jaworski say that uh, that second down, that rollout, where Colin Kaepernick rolled out, 
They tried to hit Michael Crabtree. Ron Jaworski said Kaepernick had him on that particular play, but he didn't pull the trigger. He had him on that play. He waited, it was too late. He waited too long, and ultimately he was not able to do what he needed to do in that particular situation. Was not able to do what he needed to do in that particular situation. But you look at it, the 49ers were forced to call a timeout. They were forced to call a timeout in that particular during that drive when they were down there on that goal line, and they could have used that timeout. They really could have used that timeout in terms of them possibly getting another chance and another opportunity. They could have used that timeout. They were down to one timeout after that particular drive. We all know what happened. Ravens were able to kind of sought the clock out, took the safety, and it ended Ted Ginn on the punt return. But before we go, before we end this game, let's go back to one of the pivotal calls and the call that Jim Harbaugh was talking about. Call a lot of people were call, talking about. Fourth and goal, Kaepernick lobs it out to Crabtree. There was contact. There was some contact there. There definitely was some contact there. There was contact there. There was no doubt about it. There was contact between Jimmy Smith and Michael Crabtree. And I would say, I would say in looking at that contact, that that probably in a regular season game, in a game that was probably – see, let's look at this particular game. The game wasn't called tight. They let these guys play in this game. They let them play. You saw a lot of situations where there were a lot of contact between these players. They let them play. They let them play in this particular ball game. And there was a situation, Chris Culliver, who didn't really have a memorable week in New Orleans, but Chris Culliver on uh, Torrey Smith. That probably is a, a pass interference call. I believe that was in the second quarter. That was probably a pass interference call in the regular season. But the way they were calling this game, they let them play. So it wasn't called. So just judging by the way these uh, the, the referees let these guys play and the physicality that was going on during this ball game, it wasn't. A, I think it was a good call. Now, I think you look at the play, obviously, to the letter of the law, it probably was a holding or if not a pass interference call that should have been made. But, you know, you're late in a ball game. Referees don't want to be the story. The players should be the story, obviously, because they are the players. That's who we come to see. That's who we come to see. And they let them play. They let them play. Harbaugh wasn't happy during the game, was not happy after the game about that call. And, you know, as a coach, I wouldn't be happy either. I obviously wouldn't be happy either. I would not be happy. But you know what? You know what? It is what it is. The call was made. It was a no call. It wasn't in greed. It wasn't in greed. It wasn't a situation where you're saying that's a definitive pass interference or holding call. It wasn't definitive. But you could probably make a call in that particular situation. You probably could make the call in that particular situation. But all in all, give the Baltimore Ravens credit. Give this team credit. And the credit goes to Joe Flacco. We, we, we're hearing all the talk about Ray Lewis, Ray Lewis this, Ray Lewis final hurrah, Ray Lewis, Ray Lewis, Ray Lewis, dancing, no weapon formed against me, God before us who could be against us, Ray Lewis, Ray Lewis, Ray Lewis, Ray Lewis. We've heard all of that. But the guy we need to be talking about is Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco had a tremendous playoff run. He was big time. 
during these playoffs. He was absolutely big time during these playoffs. He was big time, folks. He was big time in this game, in this Super Bowl, 22 for 33, 287 yards, three touchdowns, and oh, by the way, no interceptions. He was big. He goes this whole playoff run, 11 touchdowns, no interceptions. 11 touchdowns and no interceptions for Joe Flacco. That's big. That's big against the Patriots. 21 for 36, 240 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. No interceptions. A lot of O's when it comes to Joe Flacco. A lot of O's when it comes to Joe Flacco. Against the Denver Broncos in the divisional round, double OT, Joe Flacco, 18 for 34. Again, you look at those com- the completion percentage, it's not great. It's not great, but he hit the Broncos with a lot of big plays. There was a lot of big plays made by Joe Flacco against the Denver Broncos. A lot of big plays. 18 for 34, 331 touchdowns, three, 331 yards, excuse me, and three touchdowns, and oh, by the way, no interceptions. He was big. He was big. He was big. When he needed to be big, he was big against the Denver Broncos. Jacoby Jones, 70-yard touchdown pass. That's all you need to know with 31 seconds to go. That's all you need to know in that particular situation. He was big, folks, when he needed to be big. Team down 13-7 to against Tom Brady and the Patriots and Foxborough. Guess what he does? Guess what old good old Joe does? Guess what good old Joe does? He becomes big in that second half. He starts dominating in that second half. He starts driving his team in that second half. He was big in that second half, and he hit three touchdowns in that second half. And guess what? The Ravens went on. So this playoff run was, yes, we heard a lot about Ray Lewis. We heard a whole lot about Ray Lewis and some of the great things Ray Lewis has done throughout his career because Ray Lewis didn't have the best Super Bowl, Wasn't you know was, was beat, missed a lot of tackles, during the Super Bowl. But the thing about it is, this was about, this this run was in a lot of ways the changing of the guard for the Baltimore Ravens. This was a lot of way, in a lot of ways the changing of the guard. This was the passing of the torch, if you will. This was Ray Lewis's team for a long time, folks. This was Ray Lewis's team for a very long time. And rightfully so. This was Ray Lewis's ball club. This was his team. But now, it's time to pass the guard. It's time for a passing of the guard. And the passing of the guard happened during this playoff run. This was Ray Lewis's team. You could argue maybe before these playoffs. But when these playoffs ended, we all know whose team this was. We all know who was big time. We all know who was the man. That was Joe Flacco, Joe Cool, the new Joe Cool, the 21st century Joe Cool. 
Joe Flacco, he was the man. He was the man in these playoffs. I can't argue. with If you say Joe Flacco's elite, I can't argue with you. I'm not going to argue with you. And it's the, here's the funny thing. Here's the funny thing. Peyton, Eli Manning, I should say, he comes out. Eli Manning comes out, says uh, two seasons ago, you know what? I'm elite. I'm big time. I'm, I, I'm a top five quarterback. You want to talk about Peyton? You want to talk about Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady? You got to talk about me in that same sentence. I'm that guy. I'm that dude. Talk about me in the same sentence as you talk about Brady and Breeze and Aaron Rodgers. He said it. Eli backed it up. We all know what he did. We all know what he did last season. Big time money in the fourth quarter last year. Big time. He was big time. And when Eli said it, when Eli said that he was big time, I laughed. I laughed at Eli. When he said he was a, an elite quarterback, I laughed at the guy. I laughed at him. I really did. I laughed at him. Now he's laughing at me. He's laughing at all of us. Two seasons ago, we all know what he did. We all know what he accomplished, how he went on the road to Green Bay, the team that many thought was the best team of football a year ago. He went into Green Bay. He beat him. He was big time. He went into San Francisco, the team that I thought was probably better than the Giants a year ago. He went into San Francisco, beat him. He beat him, and he was big time. He was one of the reasons that they won that particular game. Kyle Williams, two fumbles for the 49ers also helped, but Eli was big. He said he was elite. He backed it up. Joe Flacco says, you know what? I'm big time. I'm big time. And throughout the course of this season, we were saying, is this guy the guy who says that he was big time? Is this the same guy who said he was elite? Is this that same dude who's saying that? Because he's not playing like it. I mean, this was a Ravens team. A lot of people forget this about this Baltimore Ravens team. But near the end of this regular season, this team struggled. This team really struggled near the end of this regular season. They lost four out of their final five games. Four out of their final five games, they lost. They were back. And they, I'm not going to say they're backed into these playoffs, but they weren't playing big-time football. They weren't playing their best football. They really weren't. They really were not playing their best football. And we're saying to ourselves, wow. And this Joe Flacco, they were, we were saying that there was questions uh, what kind of money he would get at that point or whether or not maybe the Ravens would even think about moving on from him. I didn't think that was ever going to happen, but you, you started to start. You started to think, you know what? Why did this guy not try to get this contract taken care of before going into the season? Why? 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 And then the playoffs started, and then he beat the Colts, and then he beat the Broncos, and then he beat the Patriots, and then he goes into the Super Bowl and he beats Colin Kaepernick in the San Francisco Forty ers so he beat he beat a lot of good quarterbacks in this run. Andrew Luck, many believe, is going to be one of the big. It's going to be a big time quarterback when this thing is all said and done. Probably so. We all know about Peyton Manning. We all know about Tom Brady and Colin Kaepernick. He's the next big thing as well. Say what you want 
about Colin Kaepernick. This guy is big time. He is big time. Talk about the game that he had in the Super Bowl. Yes, he didn't start well. He didn't start well. And he, he really didn't start well in any of these games that he played in the playoffs. Didn't start well against the Packers. We all know the pick six. Didn't start well against the Falcons. Down 17 to nothing. And didn't start well in this game. So he's had some slow starts. He's had some slow starts. But he's big time. He's going to be big time. He's special. He's special. He's got something there. The 49ers made a great move when they drafted this guy. He's special. He is special. The things that he can do, his arm strength is, is, is off the charts. His running ability is ridiculous. He's special. He, he's special. For years to come, he's going to be special. He's going to be special. But it's not about him right now. It's about Joe Flacco and what Joe Flacco did and the playoff run that he had. And now Joe Flacco is going to get paid. I wish my last name was Flacco right now. I just wish I was Joe Flacco's brother, cousin, something, friend. I don't know. He's going to get paid to the tune of probably 18 to $20 million a year. He's going to get paid, and he's earned it. You could say, you know what, maybe he doesn't deserve it. Maybe he doesn't deserve to have the kind of same kind of money as Brady, Breeze, Rodgers, Manning. Maybe he doesn't deserve to have the same type of money or make the type of money those guys make. Maybe he's not good as those guys, and he, maybe he's not. But guess what? He's earned his money. He's earned the right to get paid like a top five upper echelon quarterback in this league. He deserves it. You go through all those different buildings, Denver, a team that was on an 11-game win streak going into the regular, going, ending the regular season and going into the playoffs, a team that was hot, scorching, hot. You go and beat Brady in New England, a team that is, has Tom Brady, of course, Belichick, a team that was up at halftime against you. That's big time. You could argue he's not a top-five quarterback. You can argue he is a top-five quarterback. I think if we're arguing this, I think we have to say on some level, I don't want to, I don't want to say he's top-five. I can't say he's top-five. But I can't. It's a tough argument here. It truly is a tough argument. You look around this league, you got to say Rodgers. No particular order. You got to say Rodgers, Brady, Manning, Breeze. I mean, these are names you have to say. These are names you have to say. Then you just look around this league, and maybe you throw Flacco at five. Matty Isis had a big time year. Philip Rivers is still around, even though he's struggled the past couple of years. Big Ben. Ben Roethlisberger, you got to put him somewhere around there. I think you got to put Flacco around five. I, 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 he is a, a top five quarterback for now. Eli, you got to throw his name in the mix as well, even though he didn't have a big time year. But you got to throw his name in there. And the thing about Joe Flacco's numbers, they're not eye popping. They're not. They're not the type of numbers that Manning and and, and Breeze and Brady and Rodgers have put up, they're, they're not those type of numbers. They're not those type of numbers. You look at Joe Flacco over the course of his careers, didn't throw a lot, hasn't thrown a lot of interceptions in his career. 
Not a big interception guy. Definitely not a big interception guy throughout the course of his career. Definitely not. And you look at his numbers to end the regular season, I mean, they're not what you would call eye-popping numbers, under 60% completion percentage, 22 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, you know, a a fairly pedestrian season, not big-time numbers in terms of touchdowns. He's never really had big-time touchdown numbers throughout his career. Never had the big-time touchdown numbers. I believe his highest total was 25, and that came in 2010, two seasons ago. That was his highest number. Never has been a 4,000-yard passer. Closest he's came to that was this year at 38-17. So, but you look at his interception numbers. Never been above 12 interceptions. Never been above 12 interceptions throughout his career. So he's been efficient in terms of not throwing, not turning the football over. Basically a career 60% completion percentage, not bad. But you look at him, the numbers aren't eye-popping. The numbers are not off the charts. And I, you probably say, if that's if you covered the name and you said, whose numbers are these? Is this the numbers of an elite quarterback? You'd probably say no. If you cover the name and you just look at the numbers, you probably you probably say this is not an elite quarterback. But we don't do that. There's more to the game than just numbers. You can make numbers say what you want numbers to say. You can use numbers any way you want to use them to make your case. They say numbers never lie, but numbers do lie. Numbers do lie. They can be manipulated. Maybe they don't lie. They just manipulate it. Maybe the people who use the numbers lie. The numbers are the numbers, but they don't always tell the true story and the true man that is Joe Flacco, the true winner that is Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco is a winner. Never missed the playoffs. Never has missed the playoffs. That's a winner. That's a winner there. Never missed the playoffs. So here's one thing that's guaranteed with Joe Flacco. You will make the playoffs. And you can argue that over the course of his career, he wasn't the focal point of the Ravens team. Defensively, that's what the Ravens were about, their defense. That was their calling card, that defense. That was their calling card. But over Joe Flacco's career, each and every year he's played in the NFL, each and every year he has made the playoffs. Each and every year. So one thing is guaranteed when it comes to Joe Flacco. He's going to get to the the playoffs. With Joe Flacco as your quarterback, you are going to make the playoffs. That's one thing that is guaranteed. And he's proven that throughout the course of his career. He has proven that throughout the course of his career. If I'm your starting quarterback, and I'm Joe Flacco talking right now, you're going to the playoffs. You're going to the playoffs. He's 6-0 on the road in the playoffs, his career. 6-0. 6-0. So that's a guy who's big time. That's a guy who's going to go into your building. He's going to be cool about it. His father said he's boring. The father said he's boring. He's going to be cool about it, and he finds a way to go in your building. He did it to the Dolphins. 
his first season, went into that building, went into Miami, beat him up, did it to Tennessee, the Titans, that same season, 2008, went into Tennessee, won that particular ball game, got to the, got to the AFC title game. Been to the AFC title game three times. Three times. He's big. He's 9-4 in the playoffs. Has as many playoff victories as, guess who? Peyton Manning. Has as many playoff victories as Peyton Manning, the great Peyton Manning. And Peyton Manning, for as great as he is, as great as he is, is not a great playoff quarterback. For the numbers that Peyton Manning has put up throughout his illustrious career, he has not been a great playoff quarterback. He just hasn't. Joe Flacco has. He's been a great playoff quarterback. A great playoff quarterback. Been a great playoff game. Quarterback, I should say. A great playoff quarterback. Been a great playoff quarterback. And the numbers that he put up this year were eye-popping. The numbers, the things that he did in these playoffs were amazing. They were amazing. The run that he had in these playoffs were amazing. Absolutely amazing. What a run by Joe Flacco. What a run by the Baltimore Ravens. What a run. This was an impressive run. This was a team that got hot at the right time. They got hot at the right time. And because of uh, because of that, because of getting hot at the right time, they were able to ultimately get to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl. Joe Flacco, 9-4 in the playoffs. Peyton Manning, 9-11 in the playoffs. Now, I'm not saying Joe Flacco is Peyton Manning. I'm not saying Joe Flacco is, good as, as, is as good as Peyton Manning. But what I am saying is Joe Flacco, about Joe Flacco is, just to kind of put his numbers in perspective, when it comes to the playoffs, this guy wins. He wins on the road. He wins everywhere. He wins. Joe Flacco wins. He was big time, folks. Big time. Big time. Big time. During this playoff run, he was absolutely big time. Big time. And there's nothing we can say to take away what Joe Flacco has done this season. He was big, folks. He was absolutely big. His ability to make plays when plays need to be made cannot be minimized, can't be taken away. So guess what? He gambled on himself, and now it's time for Joe Flacco to get paid. He's going to get it one way or another. He's going to get it one way or another. Let's look at these quarterbacks who we call elite. Drew Brees, $20 million. A year, Peyton Manning, nineteen million, Tom Brady, fifteen million, Eli Manning, fifteen million, ten million for Aaron Rodgers. Now you can say he's not as good as some of those guys, and you might be right. But he won a Super Bowl during the year. He won the Super Bowl at the right time. 
He won the Super Bowl at the right time. So say what you want to say about Joe Flacco. Say he's not as good as Brady, Breeze, Manning, Rodgers, even Matty Ice, Matt Ryan. Say what you want to say about those guys. And say what you want to say about Joe Flacco. The reality is he's earned it. He's 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 earned it. He maybe he's not as good as those guys, but he won a Super Bowl and was a big reason why his team won the Super Bowl. And he won it and did all these things at the right time. Kudos to Joe Flacco, Joe Cool. Kudos to him and his Baltimore Ravens. And Ray Lewis, I mean, his run has finally ended. And it ended on a perfect stage, Super Bowl 47. And say what you want to say about Ray Lewis in terms of, okay, you may believe that he had a lot more than involvement in that double murder in Atlanta many years ago. Say what you will. You may say he did. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he didn't. But at the end of the day, he's still a free man, and he was convicted of obstruction of justice. That was it. Now, maybe he knows more. Maybe he doesn't. People want to know what happened to the white suit. Who knows? Who knows? Bottom line is this. Ray Lewis, in my mind, is a transformed, changed man from what I see. Seems changed. Seems a bit like he's a better man. I would at least say he's a better man than he was 12, 13 years ago when that incident happened. He's a better man than that. Definitely a better man at this point. Definitely a better man and had a great run. And he was obviously the inspiration behind this run. This was an inspirational run by the Ravens, spearheaded by their leader for many, many years, the great Ray Lewis. 17 years to be exact. It ends in style. It ended in style. It ended in style. Ray Lewis now. Ray Lewis is a champion. He is a champion. He rode off into the sunset. Like Jerome Bettis. Like John Elway. He rode off in the sunset. Rode off. He rode off into the sunset. And now, and now, Ray Lewis is a champion. And now what does he do? Goes off to ESPN. We're going to see Ray Lewis on TV. Maybe coming to a pulpit near you. Ray Lewis maybe, I mean, he has that preacher. The way he talks, you could say this man ought to be a preacher. He ought to be a preacher. He ought to be a preacher. But you look at Ray Lewis now. We can talk about all the other things that happened with him. We can talk about deer antler spray. Maybe it happened, maybe it didn't. Maybe it had an effect, maybe it didn't. You can talk about his love for God. It seems evident that he does love God. It seems evident that he has had some kind of religious transformation. I think it seems evident that he's a much better person than he was many years ago. But he's a winner. 
Ray Lewis, the winner, two Super Bowl titles, bunch of Pro Bowl appearances, first Ballot Hall of Famer. He's a winner. He truly is a winner. Now there's talk there could be a statue of Ray Lewis outside of M&T Bank Stadium. You could argue that he doesn't deserve it. You could argue that he does. For his work on the field, he definitely deserves it. Ray Lewis was the Ravens. Ray Lewis is the Ravens. He is the Ravens. He is the Ravens. And the owner of the Ravens, Steve Bashotti, told ESPN this, quote, I think he set himself apart in Baltimore sports history, and we will certainly look into it. And I will not be surprised if there is one in the next year or two in talking about a statue for Ray Lewis. He is the Ravens. He is the Ravens. He is this franchise. He is. Does he deserve a statue? Maybe. For his play on the field, yes. If you believe that he had more involvement in the situ in, in that murder many years ago, you could make an argument. I don't know. I wasn't there. Evidence points to we don't know. I mean he knows what may have happened. He knows, and he's testified as such to what may have happened. There are still some questions, of course. People still have questions. People always will have questions. He did pay the family's money. So you could argue why did he do it if he didn't do or was not involved. Maybe that's what he felt he needed to do. Maybe. And this is the thing that Ray Lewis says he 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 deals with this every day. He deals with it every day, he says. He deals with it every day. That's what he does. And and I can imagine. I can imagine what he may be going through in terms of that particular situation. I can imagine. And there's a you know, obviously what happened on that day. It's an unfortunate situation. Definitely is an unfortunate situation. It's definitely an unfortunate situation. And you you look at Ray Lewis, and he talked to Shannon Sharp last week about everything. And, quote, it's simple, you know. God has never made a mistake. And Shannon Sharp asked him a question about what would Ray Lewis like to say to the family. And Ray Lewis answered, it's simple, you know, God has never made a mistake. That's just who he is, you see. And if our system, this is the sad thing about our system, Ray Lewis went on to say, if our system took the time to really investigate what happened 13 years ago, maybe they would have got to the bottom of, got to the bottom line truth. But the saddest thing ever was that a man looked me into my face and told me, we know you didn't do this, but you're going down for it anyway. Those were what Ray Lewis said. And Ray Lewis went on to say, to the family, if you knew, if you really knew the way God works, he don't use people who commit anything like that for his glory. No way. It's the total opposite. I don't know if I completely agree with Ray Lewis on that. I mean, God, if you look in the Bible, has used people who have murdered, who have done bad things. He's used them. God has used people. 
God uses a lot of people. God will use anybody if you allow him to. So I don't know if I completely agree with that. But all in all is this. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Ray Lewis, Ray Lewis is a great football player. And seemingly Ray Lewis has turned into a good to great man. And we can we can talk about his murder trial. We can talk about what and what did not happen. Bottom line is this. I think Ray Lewis, I think he does feel guilt for what happened that day. But just looking at the whole case and everything, just from my perspective, I, I don't know if he really was involved. Obviously, it was a fight that happened. Obviously, two men died. But do I think Ray Lewis was one of the reasons that the two men died? Maybe he was the biggest fish out of everybody. He, he was the biggest fish in the pond. But was he completely the reason why those two men died on that particular day? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think so. And he, he went on to talk about this to Shannon Sharp. He talked about the financial settlement that he played to both paid to both families. And he went on, he quoted us. He was quoted as saying, "The one thing that I said because my name was used the wrong way, money is the last thing I'm worrying about. But if money will help those kids out, not just those kids, any kids that I help, any family that I can support, I support. So don't just take the money." Don't just take that family and say, I gave money to that family, because I gave money to thousands of families, time and time again, just to find a different way to help someone through a rough time. That really isn't all that clear either. That really is kind of unclear in a lot of ways, what he said, but it is what it is. It is what it is. I don't know the extent of his involvement that day. He was there. He was a part of it. But I know this. I think at the end of the day, he is transformed into a different man. I think he's a different person. I think he's a different person. I really do. I think he is a different person. I really do. From that particular moment till now. And I think he's going to continue to try to do big things and great things for a lot of people. I really do. Some people buy his answer. Boomer Esiason didn't buy his answer. Boomer Esiason did not buy his answer. And Boomer went on to say, because he was involved in a double murder, I'm not so sure that he gave us all the answers that we were looking for. He knows what he he knows what went on there, and he can obviously just come out and say it. He doesn't want to say it. He paid off he paid off the families. I get all that. That's fine, but doesn't take away from who he is as a football player. And he went on to say, and I appreciate talking to Shannon Sharp. I appreciate you going down there and asking him that direct question. I'm not so sure about the answer. And a lot of people have said that. You're going to get that from a lot of people. You're going to get a lot of people who say they're not sure. They buy what Ray Lewis is saying. They're not sure he is a transformed man. They're not sure what happened on that particular day. They're not sure if he was involved more than he has let on. 
that has been portrayed at this point, really. I'll say I don't know. I don't think he was, but I don't know. I wasn't there. I don't know. There's You can ask, answer. He's not obviously not going to answer the question. He's obviously not going to tell you everything from, he's not going to give you the blow by blow. And I know one of the guys is actually coming out with a book. One of the guys that was involved in that whole situation with Ray Lewis, one of his boys at the time, he's actually going to come out with a book. So maybe he will give us kind of the blow by, you know, the, 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 the blow by blow details of what happened on that particular day. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. If he will, I don't know if he won't. But this is, uh, I mean, it's ironic that he's coming out with a book at this particular moment. And this is Reginald Oakley, one of the guys involved. Joseph Sweeten, Sweetening and and. and Sweeting, I should say, and Reginald Oakley were both involved in this, along with Ray Lewis. And Reginald Oakley is, is, is coming out with a book. He's coming out with a book. Actually, the book is already out. So, we'll see. We'll see. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, it is what it is, and he's he's coming. The book is not. I'm sorry, but he's coming out with something. He is coming out with something. He is coming out with something. He says he's going to provide all the answers of what happened that day. The the murder remains unsolved. It's an unsolved murder. So, I guess Reginald Oakley when he comes out with this book, will give us the answers. It's coming out this summer. Memories of a murder. It's coming out this summer. So we'll see. We'll see if the answers that people are looking for will be given in this particular book. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe it will. Maybe it won't. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. We shall see. But all in all, what a great run by Ray Lewis. The man has had a great career, a great, great career, an amazing career, a career that ended in style, a career that is going to put him in the Hall of Fame, first ballot Hall of Famer. And... I wouldn't be surprised if Ray Lewis comes to a pulpit near you. He said a lot of things. No weapon formed against the Ravens shall prosper, and he was right. He also said, in talking about the Ravens, in talking about his team, if God be for you, who could be against you? And in terms of football, in terms of what happened here, he was right. He was right. He was right. What a run. What a ride by the great Ray Lewis. What a run. What a ride. Ended in style. It ended in style. Now, 
Ray Lewis goes off into the sunset. And you look at the 49ers now. What happens to them? What happens to them? This is a team now still has a big-time quarterback, Colin Kaepernick. So you got to be confident about that, happy about that if you're a 49ers fan. Still have Coach Harbaugh. Got to be happy about that, who's really been big time for the 49ers. Really been big time for the 49ers. Big time for that team over these past two years. And he's done a lot of great things for the 49ers over these past two years. Took them to the NFC title game last season and then got them a step further to the Super Bowl. So he's doing a lot of big things in San Francisco. But he hasn't broken through. And the thing about the, the game of football and the thing about sports and the thing about life in general, you only get so many opportunities to break through. you got to break through at some point, but you only get so many opportunities. You only get so many opportunities. And in terms of football, injuries are a big reason why some teams go and some teams stay home. And the 49ers, for the most part, was a, were a fairly healthy team going into the Super Bowl. But injuries to big-time players can really change the course of your situation. And the 49ers are fortunate in terms of injuries. And you have to be to get this far. You have to be. But in terms of free agents, Ted Ginn, unrestricted free agent. Randy Moss, you wonder if he comes back. Delaney Walker, guy who's given him a lot of big play out of that tight end position. You know, no wonder if they bring him back. Deshaun Goldson, he's a big one. Does he return? 49ers have some questions going into the offseason, but I think they have a lot of answers for their questions. They have their quarterback. They didn't. You could argue they really didn't have that quarterback, thus they made a run of Peyton Manning last season, going into last year, or near the end of last year, or at the end of last season, I should say. You didn't think the 49ers had their quarterback moving forward, but they have their quarterback of the future in Colin Kaepernick. He is the quarterback of the future. The quarterback now. He's big. He's big time. He's, he's had a big time year for the Baltimore Ravens. Big time year. Not the Baltimore Ravens, for the 49ers. Big time. He's taken over for Alex Smith, and he's t- taken that offense to another level. The offense has scored an additional five points a game once Copper- Kaepernick stepped in and stepped on the scene. Additional five points a game. That's a lot. It's almost a touchdown a game. It's almost a touchdown a game. So an additional touchdown a game, pretty much, or close to an additional touchdown a game, happened for the 49ers when Colin Kaepernick stepped on the scene as their quarterback. He's big. He's big time. He is big time. 49ers defense had some struggle down the stretch of this, near the end of the season. And, you know, in these playoffs, they weren't. At their best. They weren't awful, obviously, but they weren't at their best. But I think you, you should be happy with that defense moving forward. Alden Smith had some struggles near the end of the season. Held sackless for a bunch of games there near the end. And even against um, in the Super Bowl there, you saw a situation where he missed Bernard Pierce behind the line there on a big third and one situation where he should have made the tackle. But he wasn't really in the face of Joe Flacco a lot in that game. But he's big time, 19 and a half sacks. Justin Smith as well, big time. I think the 49ers will be fine 
and this is a team that you're going to have to be concerned about for many years to come. The second hour, go for it, starts right now. Second hour, go for it, and we're back. Second hour, go for it, starting right now in this hour. We're going to be joined by Colts linebacker Moses Foku. We're going to get his take on what he saw in the Super Bowl last week, Super Bowl 47. Also, we're going to be joined by actor Joseph Julian Soria, one of the stars of Army Wives, which airs on Lifetime. We're going to get his take on what he saw in the Super Bowl, what he thought happened in the Super Bowl. So, Moses Foku in this hour, also Joseph Julian Soria, one of the stars of Army Wives, are going to get his take on the Super Bowl, get his take on what's going to happen in Army Wives this week, This not this week, but this season. Army Wives has been big time, big time show, gets big time ratings, and we're going to talk to Joseph about all those things in this hour. I want to switch gears now, I want to move on to the NBA, the Los Angeles Lakers. This is a team, each and every week, there seems to be something coming out about them. Each and every day, you could argue, Dwight Howard, Kobe Bryant, Kobe saying Dwight needs to step up, cares about injuries, he needs to step up. And I want to I I touch on that right now before I move on. Dwight Howard, throughout the course of his career, one thing you can say about the guy, you can say a lot of things. He's a flake. He, he's a clown. Plays too much. You can say all those things about Dwight Howard over the course of his career. But I don't think you question in terms of him, whether he's giving it all, whether he's fighting through injuries. Because this is a guy who's been pretty much the pillar of health throughout the course of his career. Pretty much has been the pillar of health. I mean... You look at the amount of games he's played over his, over his career. 2005 his rookie year, 82 games he played. 82 in 2006. 82 in 2007. 82 in 2008. 79 in 2009. 82, 2010. And then over the past two seasons, obviously, 2011, 2012, had the issue with the back. And that really cost him some time. Missed 19 games because of it. Played in 45 games in the lockout shortened season, 2011-2012. And then thus far this year, played in 45 games for the Lakers. Has missed a few games for the Lakers. But all in all, we can't really question Dwight Howard in terms of his injury situation, in terms of giving it all, in terms of battling back from injuries. I mean, he looks—he really doesn't look like he's completely back from his whole back surgery that he had in the off season, And, he, you know, this is a guy who's having the shoulder, the shoulder injuries, but this is a guy throughout the course of his career who, no matter what, has gotten onto the court. This is a guy you can't really question. This is the best center in the game. He's the best center in the game. I don't question Dwight Howard in terms of, you know, if Dwight Howard says he's hurt, he's hurt. 
I don't think he's one of those guys you question that when it comes to Dwight Howard because the, the numbers speak for themselves. 82, 82, 05, 06, 82. So you're looking at from a period now from 04, 05 to 07, 08 where he played in 82 games. 82 games over a four-year span. Granted, he's getting a little older now, but even from 2008 to 2011, 79, 82, and 78, and just doing some math, that's roughly 80 games per season. That's an average of 80 games per season in those three years. That's a roughly an average of 80 games over that three-year span. So I don't know if you can question Dwight Howard. I'm not down with questioning Dwight Howard in terms of injuries, in terms of, you know, not, you know, fighting through injuries and all that. I'm not, I'm not down with that. I'm not down with that at all. At all. Because he's really fought through, really fought through. I mean, even when he had that back last year, he kind of battled. He battled. Tried to stay on the court. And throughout the course of his career, the numbers speak for themselves. This guy gets on and stays on the court. He stays on the court. Kobe says Dwight needs to play through the pain. Dwight has played through pain in his career. Dwight has been the pillar of health throughout his career. And you can, you know, let's just say Dwight maybe is thinking about next season, thinking about his free agency. Can you blame him? Can you really blame the guy? Ultimately, you want to be right. You want to be right. We, you want to be right. And Kobe said it. His quotes, we don't have time for Howard shoulder to heal. We need some urgency. Gasol's going for a little bit. With his foot injury, he's going for a little bit. The Lakers are a team in turmoil. A team that has had struggles. Chemistry just does not seem there for this team. But all that, with all that being said, and a lot of people are saying, you know, maybe the Lakers don't make, won't make the playoffs. I don't know. I mean, they are three and a half games behind the Houston Rockets, who are 28 and 24. On paper, you have to say Lakers are probably a better team than the Rockets, and the Rockets have been playing fairly decent basketball, but a team that's been up and down, Lakers, a team that's been playing much better ball of late, been winning some games of late, but I will caution you about that. I know they've been playing better, but I will caution you about not about getting excited about the way the Lakers have been playing over this these past few weeks. I will caution you winning seven of their last nine games. Beat Utah, beat OKC, that's decent. But they beat the New Orleans Hornets. Team has been playing better, but a team that's not a playoff team. The Minnesota Timberwolves, a team does not have a Kevin Love, is not a playoff team. Beat the Pistons, a team that's obviously not a playoff team. Beat the Nets in Brooklyn, that's a decent win. Lost to Boston, and then they beat the Charlotte Hornets. Decent win. Decent win in Charlotte. Came back from a 20-point deficit. No, I'm, I'm, I said decent win. That's, that's a win you're supposed to have. It's a game you're supposed to win. You're supposed to beat the, the Charlotte Bobcats. I said the Hornets. You're supposed to beat the Charlotte Bobcats. That's who you're supposed to beat. 
That's the team that you're supposed to be. You're supposed to beat the Charlotte Bobcats. They were down actually 20 points in that game, and they stormed back and ultimately won that game. They were down 20 points in the third quarter in that game, and they stormed back. So give them a lot of credit for winning that game. They also beat, you know, in those seven games, seven in those seven victories over the last nine, beat Oklahoma City, which is big. Can't take that away from them. But, again, this is a team, a Lakers team that, Will they get it together? Will they get it together? Will they get it together? And I look at this team, this Lakers team, and after, well, tomorrow, they finish off their road trip in Miami. That's going to be a tough game. Can't say it's going to be a loss, but it's going to be tough. It's a tough place to play. We all know who the Miami Heat are. We all know what the Miami Heat are about. We all know what the Miami Heat are about. Then they go to Phoenix after that. And then Thursday, February 14th, they play the L.A. Clippers, and that's going to be big. So the next three games should be interesting for the Lakers. You want to go into that all-star break confident. You want to go into that all-star break. Maybe they can go into this all-star break 500. 24 and 27, three games left before the All-Star break. Miami, Phoenix, Clippers. I don't think they go into this break 500. I really don't. I don't think they're going into this break at 500. I don't see how that's going to be possible. I don't see how that's going to be possible. I don't see them going into this break at 500. I don't. I don't. Because you figure... Going into this break, the Heat, who beat down the Clippers last night, the Suns, who actually beat the Lakers a few weeks back, and then the Clippers. Clippers have had some struggles, but they're getting healthy again. Chris Paul came back last night. Billups is back. They're getting some health. They're getting their health back, and so that's going to be tough. That is going to be tough. Will the Lakers make the playoffs is a question that we've been asking over the past few weeks. And at this point, my answer has not changed. I will not count this team out. I will not count the Lakers out until they are officially out. You can't count a team that has the talent that they have out. Now, I will say this. Gasol is going to be gone for a while. That's big. That's big. Dwight Howard, he's been in and out of the lineup. He obviously is not 100%. Shoulder, back, he's not 100%. Steve Nash is older. So who knows what can happen with him and Kobe is older. Will the Lakers make the playoffs? It's going to be difficult. It's going to be difficult. Three and a half games out. That's not insurmountable by no means. That's what the talent of the Lakers have on their roster. Especially with the way the Rockets play. The Rockets are a team that's been so up and down this year. They've they've had so many ups and downs, the Houston Rockets. So many ups and downs. So this is a team with so many different ups and downs, meaning the Houston Rockets. So this is a team that could easily go the other way. Could easily go the other way, the way they played over this year. Easily. They could easily go the other way. So I'm not prepared... To, to to count out, not prepared at all to count count out 
the Los Angeles Lakers. Look at the the Rockets. I mean, at one point in January, they had a seven-game losing streak. A seven-game losing streak. So that all that that tells you that this team could go south. There is a possibility that they could go south. They've had winning streaks throughout this course of the season, throughout the course of the season of four games at one point. Had a five-game win streak in December, four-game win streak in January. This is an up and down team. Obviously, they got off to a pretty good start to start the year, but they're up and down. They're up and down. So very easily, the Rockets, a team that lost seven in a row in January, could turn and go south. It's a possibility. It's a possibility. That's one reason I can't completely count out the Lakers. I can't completely count them out. The odds are against them, but I can't count them out. Even Portland, who's ahead of the Lakers, is at 500. It's a 500 team. They're a 500 team. But the bottom line is Lakers have to get to that eighth spot. They have to get to that eighth spot. Will they? Will they? The way they've been playing throughout the course of this season, you have your questions. You truly have your questions. Injuries, but Gasol is big. That's big. The Gasol injury is big. Dwight Howard, in and out, that's big. Kobe, can Kobe continue to carry this? And they're not defending. They're still not defending. 24th, that's actually down two spots from where they were a week ago, I believe. But they're 24th in points allowed, still getting off 100 points a game. Still giving up 100 points a game. It's not good. It's not good. You got to defend. Defense takes pressure off you, takes pressure off the team. They have to defend. They have not done that throughout the course of this season. Have not done that with Mike D'Antoni as their coach. And history tells you that that probably won't change. History tells you that probably will not change. And I'm talking about the history of Mike D'Antoni. That probably does not change. So, the Lakers are an interesting team. A team that's it's been a soap opera in L.A. It's been a soap opera in L.A. And maybe Dwight and, and Kobe really don't get along, but Kobe is a tough teammate, as he said over and over. I said it numerous times. And also, you remember, Kobe and Shaq didn't get along. You know, by the way, they won a whole bunch of titles together. Three together. They won three titles together, hating each other throughout the course of the process, not really getting along throughout this whole time. But they still won. So Dwight and Kobe don't have to get together, don't have to be best friends, don't have to be hanging out with each other. At the end of the day, they just have to coexist and be able to play with each other. Shaq and Kobe were able to play with each other. They played with each other well. Three titles, they would have stuck together. Together could have been more. Could have been more. But those two had a great run together. And they didn't love each other. Obviously, they didn't love each other. They didn't have love for each other. But guess what? When it was all said and done, they won together. 
They won together. So you don't have to be best of friends to win titles. You don't have to be best of friends to win. You just have to be able to coexist on the court, coexist on the field when it matters most. That's what you have to do. That's what you have to do. Will the Lakers get it together? That is the question I've been asking for many weeks now. Will they get it together? And how about the Boston Celtics for a moment now? I want to go to the Boston Celtics, a team that when Rondo went down with the ACL injury, we were saying to ourselves, it's over for Boston. Go figure. They happen to win five in a row. Once Rondo went down, they won five in a row. Are they better without Rondo? Are they better without Rondo? I can't say they are. They're definitely not a championship team without Rajon Rondo. That's that's what I know. And I look at this team, and I'm and I'm starting to wonder. You know, a lot of people are talking maybe Boston, talking about the Celtics being sellers, and I'm not so sure that's a bad idea. I I, I think that's a good that may be a good idea for the Boston Celtics because you look at it, you remember the first big three, Parrish, McHale, Bird, Boston. They weren't able. They they kind of held on to that dynasty, that big three for a long time, and it cost them. They they really never recuperated until what? You figure what? Two thousand two thousand one is when Boston really started to come out of that. So if they do the same thing here, hold on to this big three, this new big three, and obviously Ray Allen is gone, but. Kevin Garnett and, and, and Pierce, maybe it's time you explore a deal where you can get an Eric Bledsoe or a DeAndre Jordan from the Clippers. Maybe it's time to explore the deal in terms of Kevin Garnett. you, you got to get what you can while you can. And I look at this team, meaning the Boston Celtics, they're not winning anything without Rondo. They're not. I don't care if they won five in a row. They're not winning anything without Rondo. They're just not going to do it. I think Boston should start thinking about the future. I think they should start thinking about the future at this point. I'm not opposed, if I'm a Celtics fan, to start selling. I I think it could be in their best interest to start selling before this whole thing falls apart. And then you have nothing to sell. It doesn't become something that teams will want. Pierce doesn't become something teams will want. I would be more inclined to trade Garnett than Pierce. So I think Pierce has a little more left than Garnett. But I would think about it if I'm Boston, especially with this Rondo injury. Because I don't think Rondo, I don't think without Rondo, without Rondo, this Celtics team is not a championship contender. They're not. May give you a tough series, but they're not, they're not getting to the NBA Finals with this team as it's presently constructed. They're just not. So if I'm Boston, I'm Danny Ainge, I think about selling. And I think about what happened in the past with the Boston Celtics and how they held on to that other big three for a very long time. They held on to that other big three for a very long time. Probably too long. Probably too long. They held on that other big three 
a little too long. Will they make the same mistake here? Will they make the same mistake here? 2001, 2002, when the Celtics went back to the playoffs, after a long time away, a long time away, that's when you you started to say when when Jim O'Brien took over for Rick Pitino, that's when the Celtics started to get and gain some prominence again. Then they had some struggles after that little uh, three, four-year window. They had some struggles again. And then ultimately they made the trade that netted them Ray Allen, Paul Pierce. Well, they had Pierce, but Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett, and they took off. And the second big three was reincarnated, if you will. Well, big three, number two, was reincarnated or, or, or put together by Danny Ainge. We'll get to that basketball. We'll talk some more NBA in a moment. But we're going to bring in now a guy who, who knows a lot about the Baltimore Ravens as he's played the, he played the Baltimore Ravens in the playoffs. Let's bring him in now. Moses Foku. Let's bring him in now, linebacker for the Indianapolis Colts, Moses Foku. Moses, how are you, man? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. Uh, my pleasure. Moses, let's get right down to it. I want to go to the Super Bowl and – I want to look at the Ravens for a moment now. I mean, you guys played the Ravens in the playoffs in the wild card round. The Ravens would beat you. But at the time, did you think the Ravens had a legit shot to win the Super Bowl? No, actually, I'm, not, I'm going to be honest. I was, I'm going to be honest and biased. I was hoping they got kicked out in the next round. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, things happened mysteriously. You know, it looked like Ray Lewis had, 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 had a mightier power behind him and, you know, after they passed the Peyton, you know, Peyton Manning with the Broncos, and then, and then got fat by, by Brady, I just had a feeling that they were going to win the whole thing. So, I'm happy for those guys. They actually have two buddies that play on the team. Very proud of them. And, uh, you know, what, what a way, what a way for Ray Lewis to go out, though. Definitely. And how about the play of of Joe Flacco? He had a good game against you guys, and he's been great throughout these playoffs. And he was great in the Super Bowl, man. Talk about the play of Joe Flacco. I mean, well, I mean, what, what, what more can you say? This is a guy who's been to the playoffs almost every year in his in his five years in the league, and just couldn't quite, you know, get to that game. And and this year, I mean, he he did everything that was asked of him, and then more, especially playing playing, playing lights out out of his mind through these playoffs to find to, to find himself in the Super Bowl and to become the MVP. I mean, uh. The, the guy has had a tremendous career and has just continuously kept his nose down, stayed out of the media, and just worked worked his way up to being what he believes is one of the top, you know, top or elite quarterbacks in the league. And and he he's just done it the right way, and uh, and he he he's done a tremendous job. And I you know I'm proud of him too, and I, and I think he's 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 accomplished a lot of things this season. So is Joe Flacco elite? I mean, I mean, like, what, I mean, every year, what are you trying to do? You're trying to get to that championship game and win it all. And, and, and in the past five games, Joe Flacco has been the lead on that team in terms of putting them in that situation. So if he's not elite, I don't know how. I don't know what the accolades you need to win a Super Bowl to be elite. <laughs> and now let's talk about the big play, the big pass interference, no call in the end zone. Jim Harbaugh thought it was pass interference or at least defensive holding. A lot of other people thought the same way. I'm under under the opinion that. The way they called the game, it was a physical game. They let a lot of things go. So as far as I was concerned, it was a good no call. How do you feel about that play in the end zone with Michael Crabtree and Jimmy Smith? Exactly. Like you said, it was a physical game. You know, I think the refs are trying to give the fans, people at home, a good show. 
and, and you're not going to be able to call everything. Sometimes you got to let, let the guys be guys and let them play and let them be physical. And, and sometimes, you know, you miss things. So, it just you know, it, it, it sucks that it came down to that and the coaches thought it was holding, but the referees just thought it was an aggressive play and they didn't feel there was anything done intentional. And, and, and you know, bad luck for the 49ers. They probably were the better team, but on that day the, the, the Ravens were the better team. And I thought going into that game, the 49ers were the better team. I actually thought going into the Bronco game, I thought the Broncos were the better team. And yeah, I actually thing, even I thought the Patriots were the better the team. But a lot of, out of the four, I think out of the last four games, I believe they were the underdog or that the team they were playing were the better team. But for somehow, for some reason, you know, it's, it's like any like given Sunday, the Ravens came out and were the better team, though. So it's kind of ironic you say that. It's basically they were Destiny's Child. They were just like Beyonce and those and the rest of the girls. I mean, <laughs> yeah. that's basically what they were. We're talking to Colts linebacker Moses Foku. Moses, let's look at you guys now. You guys had an impressive season. You made it to the playoffs, and you guys seem very inspired by your head coach Chuck Pagano. He battled cancer. He beat cancer. How much did that whole thing inspire you guys? I think at the beginning, at the beginning, especially when we found out the news. After that week, and we had to play the Green Bay Packers, I think it was definitely an emotional roller coaster for us, and it, and it was almost like we had to win it for our coach. And uh, and we kind of took took it, took that momentum from there. And once we started stacking up a couple wins, I think I think we looked at each other and realized that hey, you know, it's, it's not just an emotional thing anymore. We're, we're we're actually a capable and pretty good team. And then and then once we got that confidence, and I think we we, we just took it and rolled it from there. But but definitely. You know, what we had to go through, the adversity we had to go through on our team this year with our coach being sick was definitely something, you know, that a lot of teams don't ever, don't ever have to go through and hope they don't ever have to go through it. And, and it definitely gave us a spark at the beginning, I, I would say. And after that, we kind of put it on our own, on our backs, especially being a young team and going through what we went through and just, and just try to, you know, we, our goal was try to prolong the season so that we could get our coach back. So, I mean, in many ways we were playing for our coach, but in, in also in other ways we, 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 we found ourselves through those through those weeks, you know what I'm saying? Definitely. So it seems like almost you guys initially the the whole Chuck Pagano thing inspired you, but in a lot of ways you found yourself from that whole situation. Exactly. It allowed us to grow faster. <laughs> and and one of the guys who was also responsible for you guys going in the right direction after Chuck Pagano was out was Bruce Arians. He won coach exactly. of the year as an interim coach. He is now the coach of the Arizona Cardinals. But talk about the job that Bruce Arians did for you guys. Bruce Arians, I can't say enough good things about the guy. I mean, being the old coordinator to, 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 to jumping into a head coach position, something he's not familiar with, I mean, uh, he did a great job of just kind of following the path that our head coach, Chuck Pagano, had already set. And, and he kind of added his own little flair into it. I mean, real sharp guy. You can't say enough about the guy, I mean. And as you can see, he did such a great job that he himself earned a head coaching job. And, uh, I mean, he was a tremendous guy, great, great play caller. And, uh, you know, uh, he was great with us. I wish him the best over there in, uh, in Arizona. We're talking to Colts linebacker Moses Foku. And Moses, another guy responsible for you guys going to the playoffs and Andrew Luck. He had a big-time season for you guys. How impressed were you with his playmaking ability and also his composure? Oh, man, I mean. I, I looked. I looked at this kid. I actually, when I got to camp, or when, or let's say, first couple weeks of the season, and I and I and, and a lot of people were telling me, "Oh yeah, he has, he has." And and, and I, I had to, I had to see it for myself. I mean, you you can't tell 
that this guy is a 22, 23-year-old old kid. I mean, he, he, he is composed and polished beyond his years. I mean, he really impressed me. And the thing, the thing, funny thing is, he can he can get better. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah, that's, yeah. that's the real exciting thing about this kid. And uh, one thing I like, you know, one thing that scared me is he, he's a big guy. And he likes things he's physical. Don't do that in the NFL. The NFL, <laughs> NFL, the quarterbacks are protected. So please, please stay protected. But I mean, the kid's poised. The, the kid's decision making. The, the kid pulled us out of a. Uh, he pulled us out of my maybe four, 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 four quarter wins. I mean. He 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 had a fantastic year as a rookie quarterback, and I can't wait to see this kid mature some more and just and just 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 take it off, to take off. And obviously, the future seems bright in Indy. But Moses, you're an unrestricted free agent. Is Indy your first choice? Do you want to return to the Colts? You know what? I had a great time in Indianapolis, and uh, and uh, and, and you know, and that's where I left that last. And, and I would love to go back if they would have me. And uh, that's where I stand on it right now. And let's talk about you now. You had a great season with the Colts, a decent season. I mean, you were in a reserve role, but as a reserved, reserve role, you made a lot of plays. Were you happy with your play in 2012? Yeah, definitely. You know, especially coming out of a situation from a trade from uh, Philadelphia and, you know, trying to find your role on, on a new team and with a new scheme, with a new defense, with a new faces and everything. And, you know, I tried to go in there as a veteran and, you know, grasp it as fast as I can and contribute as fast as I can. So, I, yeah, I was, I was pleased with my – with, with my efforts and with, with my season. And, I, and uh, you know, if I'm back, I, I, I only know it's only going to get better next year. Now, you were traded by the Philadelphia Eagles. Were you surprised by that move, or was that a move that you kind of expected? It, I mean, it, it's a business. You can't be surprised by anything they do. Uh, you, you just got to be ready. You got to be ready to, you know, ready to, ready to go, go, with the, go with the flow or go with the, go with the punches. And uh, as, 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 I, as camp was going on in Philadelphia, I kind of saw that, they wanted to do something. I had no idea exactly what was going to happen, but I wasn't completely surprised when I got traded. And uh, you know, it kind of kind of came out to be a blessing in disguise. You know, uh, had, I had a great season over there in Indianapolis, while you know Philadelphia kind of had their own their own, their own struggles. Please don't remind me. I suffered through that tough 2012 season for the Philadelphia Eagles. And Moses, you've been a starter in this league. What do you feel like you need to do to be a starter again in this league? You know what? That's a great question. Uh, you know, you just got to have patience. You just keep doing the things that you were doing to get you to where, to where you got, and have patience because your time is gonna come. I mean, I think I've established myself as uh, as a starter in this league, and, and, and it just comes down to to, to 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 being patient and waiting for somebody to call upon your number, and, to, and, and when, they, when your number's called, just make sure you're ready because uh, I feel like you know, you know, my my, my tape or my production speaks for itself, and and I'm just awaiting that that opportunity again. Not uh, you know, I have no problem like like you know like you said coming in and playing key roles until until my number is called. And the thing about football is about you know maximizing your opportunities and, and, and taking advantage of things when you get it. So uh, like you said, I, I'm just I'm just, I'm I'm excited to play. I'm ready to play, and I can't can't wait to see what the future holds. We're talking to Colts linebacker Moses Folk. Well, Moses, you're busy in the community with your Route 53 Foundation. Recently, you donated science and math supplies. To a local middle school in Indianapolis, tell us about that. Oh yeah, that was that was pretty cool. Uh, we we actually held an event in uh, in Indiana, uh, kind of like a like a like a fundraiser event, and uh, we raised some money. And uh, at the beginning of this this year, we kind of we actually bought and donated school supplies to the magnet schools, uh, the magnet middle schools in Indiana. Just kind of you know what the foundation is all about, you know, just giving back to the schools and, and encouraging kids 
uh, underprivileged kids in urban communities and through education and and through through various activities and stuff. And that that was just one of my ways I wanted to kick back to the community and, you know, start the school year off right after the winter break. And, Moses, you got some other great things going on with the Route 53 Foundation. You got a few cooking demonstrations coming up in Maryland and in Indianapolis for underprivileged kids. Tell us about that. Yeah, very excited about that. You know, we're 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 going to be doing our demonstrations to uh, with underprivileged kids to inspire them. You know, to inspire them and to teach them uh, uh, teamwork, uh, healthy eating, so many more things. Encourage them, encourage them with education. It's going to be a great time. You know, all we're trying to do is you know get people to get people to join join us and kind of you know get 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 on our board and kind of help us help help us fulfill our dreams of what we're trying to do. And, and uh, they can do that by going to the website called uh, RoopCD3Foundation.org, and just you know, and we have a volunteer uh, board over on the on the website too for people to get involved. And you know, it's it's just a lot of great things going on for my foundation this year, and I'm I'm just excited about it and happy to help happy to get all the help that I can get. Moses, as you say, your roots lead you down the right path, and fans, make sure you go Root53Foundation.org, support some of the great things. Moses Foku has gone on in the community. Moses, you're also on Twitter. Where can fans connect with you on Twitter? Uh, you can you can find me at, at Moses Foku, and that is M O I S E F O K O U. And the name, the, the website for the foundation is kind of spelled different. It's R O O T, the number fifty three foundation dot org. You go check it out. Fans, check it out. Route fifty three foundation dot org again. Support. Some of the great things Moses Foku has going on in the community. Moses, a pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck with your free agency, man, and let's do this again. Uh, thank you for having me, guys. Obviously, Moses Foku is doing some great things in the community, doing great things with his Route 53 Foundation. Support some of the great things Moses Foku has gone on. He had a decent year for the Colts, and he is entering free agency, and we'll see what happens with Moses Foker. We're going to bring in now a guy who's doing big things on Army Wives, which airs on Lifetime. It'll be back in March, folks. So please, please watch Army Wives. Seven seasons, a big-time show. My wife, she loves the show. A lot of people love the show. One of the reasons they love the show is this guy. Let's bring him in. One of the stars of Army Wives, actor, Joseph, Julian, Soria. Joseph, how are you, man? Hey, what's up, brother? Thanks for joining us. It's a pleasure, man. It's a pleasure. Pleasure having you. And let's look. Joseph, I know you're a big-time football fan, man, and last week was the Super Bowl. It was played. Ray Lewis, he won out in style. The Ravens are the champions. What were your thoughts? On which, what did you see last Sunday? What were your thoughts on that game? Um... Honestly, I think the Ravens would have. I, I wasn't. I wasn't expecting uh, that type of dominance. I knew the defense was gonna was was a defense that uh, the Niners hadn't faced before, like uh, something like the Ravens. But Jesus, I didn't think they were gonna dominate dominate them the way they were the first half. Uh, I think they would have continued to do so if that power outage didn't happen. I mean, the, the flow of the game, everything was just going in their favor. Um, but I'm glad it did because, man, what they made one heck of a, a turnout, one great of a game, you know what I'm saying? Definitely. And I look at it, you, you talked about the power outage, and 
What was your reaction when the lights went out? Ah, man, I, I'm not surprised by anything anymore, man. I just, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was just like, okay, you know, eventually the, the game has to be played, so come on eventually, and I'll be there to watch it once it comes back on. Right. And at the time, obviously, you know, we were all, you said you weren't shocked. I was a little shocked by it. And when it happened, I was saying to myself, man, I only got to wait like a half hour for this game to come back on. But to your point, the game changed from that point. It became actually a better game. So it was a blessing in disguise. I think, I, think it was beyond, I think it was Beyonce's performance that took forever. It just sucked the energy out of, out of uh, Louisiana or New Orleans. <laughs> Beyonce, she did lay it down. She did a great job. Beyonce is. Yeah, let's just did. say Jay Z is a lucky man. Let's just say that. Very lucky. Oh man. yes. Hey, hey. I wish it was J J, not Jay Z. But hey, go ahead, Jay Z. <laughs> <laughs> she was amazing. She did a great job, man. She was talented, and she really tore it down and really turned the lights off, basically, at some point during that game. But you look right. at it, looking at that game. I want to go back to that game. I want to look at that pass interference call that many said should have been a pass interference call but wasn't a pass interference call. Fourth quarter, 49ers down, 34-29, fourth down. Colin Kaepernick throws it up, Crabtree, Jimmy Smith, kind of tussling a little bit. Ball goes over Crabtree's head, incomplete pass. Jim Harbaugh wants a holding call. No holding call is thrown. What do you think? Was it a penalty? Should a penalty have been called there? Well, you know, I watched all different angles from it, and um, the only thing I saw that that Capri could have done if he wasn't uh, grabbed was maybe get like three more steps in and jump up in the air and adjust. He he, he has the height and obviously ability to jump and adjust the ball and maybe grab that. But that that one, I think it really comes down to um, the officials like discretion. You know, what I'm saying either right. you're gonna let him play, or or you're gonna or you're gonna pull out the you know you're gonna be there to pull out the flag. But I think I think he made the right choice by not calling it. Um, you can't you can't. It's hard to go either way with that man. It's really hard to go either way. I I think just let him play and see what happens. But uh, it's all, you're you're talking about what if, right? You know, and that, that's that's a big if. And and I was I think it was the type of situation where. Because the officials kind of let him play physical throughout the whole game, that it it yeah. wasn't the time for me to start changing it. Now it was I could exactly. it could go win it either way. I mean I wouldn't have argued if the flag was called, or I wouldn't have argued, and I'm not arguing that there was no flag. I mean it could have won either way. It really could. It was one of those calls. Yeah, it, it, it's, I think I think like you said, if they're gonna if they're gonna if they're going to uh, be pulling the flags and be pulling them out nonstop and, you know, do it that way. But if you're going to let the guys play, then let them play and just, just be consistent. Definitely. And, and they were, for the most part, the officials were consistent in that game, and they were consistent with that particular call. I mean, I had a lot – is it basically you look at that whole game, you look at the way it all played out for the Ravens and Ray Lewis, were the Ravens just Destiny's Child? Were they Beyonce, Kelly, and Michelle? Were they just Destiny's Child? <laughs> yeah, right. The stars aligned for them, man. I think it, it's, it's so funny you say that Destiny's Child is. Yeah, was that Destiny? That's pretty. That's pretty damn funny. Uh, it just seemed like it, dude. They, uh, 
it was meant for them to succeed. And it, 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 I'm a big I'm a big believer on um, on energy and the power of the mind, man. So when you when you have faith in whatever you have faith in, and, and you know you put your mind to something, and you have the will, and someone leading you like Ray Lewis, and that who's you know he's he's a big motivator. Um, it, hey, you can, you, accomplish, you can accomplish anything. Definitely, they accomplished a lot. Ray Lewis accomplished a lot, and ultimately the Ravens will win the Super Bowl. We're talking to Joseph Julian Soria, one of the stars of Army Wives. And Joseph, let's go to Army Wives season seven coming up. You joined the show last season. You played the role of Hector. How exciting was that opportunity for you? It was great, man. I mean, because initially I I was signed on to do four episodes. That's what that's okay. how it was uh, presented to me. And then when I went in for the read, uh, it seemed like more than that. I was like, okay, there's this things that were happening that don't usually happen. And I was like, okay. Uh, and it was funny how I got the job. Uh, I was in the gym, and like two hours before, uh, I, I just checked my emails real quick, and it said I had an audition like in two hours. And then it was like one of those situations that everything that can go wrong went wrong. I didn't have enough time to go home, shower, change, you know, and go to my audition. Like print, my printer wasn't working, so I couldn't print out the material for the audition. Uh, okay. I was low on gas, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it was just like everything that could go wrong went wrong. So, anyways, I got there, and it was like a little bit of time to spare. Went over the material, went in, knocked it out. By that by midnight that night, they said they wanted me back to, to do a chemistry read with uh, uh, Alyssa Diaz, who plays my my wife, and um, we were familiar with each other. So I was I was happy about that. Well, we were, and so we went into the following day, knocked it out, and uh, before I knew it, I was on a plane to Charleston, South Carolina. So let, let so I'm clear, you auditioned pretty much unshowered. Yeah, man, I was gay. I was I was nasty straight from the gym, man. Okay, okay. Did you give an odor? Uh, I think my I think my sweat smells right. So. <laughs> <laughs> And, and we look at the Army Wives Season 7. It's going to be a little different. No Kim Delaney, a reduced role for Sarah Pressman. That means an increased role for you and everyone else. What can we expect yeah. Season 7 of Army Wives? Uh, expect changes, obviously. It's going to be a different show, revamped. But I think it's going to be something that the show needed. And I think it's going to um, just bring a new energy, a new feel that, like I said, one was needed, and I think it's gonna it's gonna be successful. Uh, okay. It definitely has the same drama. It definitely it, uh, incorporates stuff that's based off reality, um, real events that happen in the military and in relationships. So it's it's still gonna be very very much relatable, if not more so than before. Um, <clears throat> you know, we have more enlisted characters now, which was a, a big a big issue with the fans. They wanted more enlisted. Uh, characters to be involved, and, and boom, they got their wish. We have more enlisted characters and more more relatable characters, um, some interesting storylines, and um, you know, we're us on on this side. We're very eager to bring the audience what they want, and right. um, to you know, we 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 you know we, we take pride in what we're doing and and um, wanting to. Represent the military, and, you know, just show 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 the parts that people don't get to see, and right. um, it, 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 the show gives 
army wives and people in the military something to associate to and, and, and relate to, and it's, it's in a way sometimes therapeutic. So we we okay. take pride in that, and we we still want to be there for the people and um, do the best to our ability. And looking at you now, you and your fellow class uh, castmate, I should say, Alyssa Diaz, you guys are the first two Latino regulars on Army Wives. So in a lot of ways, man, you're a trailblazer. How much does that mean to yeah. you? Um, I thought I think it's, I think it's awesome. Uh, to, be, to be honest with you, I just look at myself as a person. Uh, uh, right. But it, it, I definitely do take uh, pride. I think it's I think it's um, it's a great opportunity, you know, to 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 do to put Latinos on map in in some way and be a be a first. You know, that's always special. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, overall, I, I'm just an actor and I happen to be Latino, and I will I will do my part in for the Latino community to to, to pave the way for the ones after me and. and uh, and shine our light and show that we have something to bring to the entertainment industry. And, and I like how you did it. You, you when you when you said Latino, you you added that little extra flair. That was that was good. I like that. <laughs> and we look at it last year. A lot of twists and turns with Hector and Gloria. A lot of ups and downs. How much will that relationship change during season seven? Ah, come on! Now. I can't give you too much. You know, it, it, it keeps you all coming back. Um, what I will say is that expect more drama. Um, okay. I'm really excited about. I'm really excited about this season. We're doing. I will say this: the men in the show are m- way more involved. Like that's why I'm saying it's a different show. Okay. Um, but it's a better. In my my personal opinion, it's better. Of course, I'm saying it's better. I'm in the show more. <laughs> right. So I'm digging it. Um, it. We're doing some really cool stuff. Um, Touching on some th- touching on some things that haven't been touched on before, and uh, as far as me and Gloria, you know, it, it's something we got to hopefully work through, and and hopefully we make it. You know what I'm saying? Okay. It, it's it's you know it's and you know we look good together, <laughs> but uh, no, it's uh, it's it's not something in 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 reality. Something right. like that doesn't just go away overnight. You know what I'm saying? It's not like a couple of weeks later, you're, everyone's on good terms, and it's you know you you made a mistake and you got a girl pregnant, and it's okay, we'll move on. No, 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 it takes some time. Things need to heal, so I got to give her time, and and hopefully, um, hopefully it works out. Uh, hopefully it does, and hopefully you, there's some drama with that. I definitely want to see the drama. I enjoy the drama. We're talking to Joseph Julian Soria, one of the stars of Army Wives. And, Joseph, you were busy outside of Army Wives. you got a lot of things going on outside of Army Wives. You played a lead role in Tencent Pistol. Excuse me. Tell us about that. That was a cool project. Um, it's a, like a drama thriller, uh, kind of some dark comedy in there. It, 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 it's, it's an interesting film. I've I seen the cut of it not that long ago, and it's, a, it's an interesting film. Well, something I have coming up really soon though is uh, Philly Brown, and that's um, shoot April twenty sixth. Okay. With uh, Gina Rodriguez, Jenny, the, the late Jenny Rivera, um, Lou Diamond Phillips, Edward James Olmos, myself. It's a great cast. Um, okay. That that movie is about a 
about a, a girl who's this is the way I put it. It's about a girl who who wants to be a professional rapper and she's a street poet and she along her journey she finds out what was really important to her is her family. And um I play this character who is um the the antagonist and I, I'm doing what she comes she starts taking my spotlight on the label that we're at and starts stealing, stealing my shine and I do whatever it takes to hold on to that. Okay. Okay. So you you're you're a busy man. You're a busy man. That's a good thing. That's a good thing, but you stay busy, yeah. man. You're, you're doing a lot of great things, a lot of big things in Hollywood right now for Joseph, Julian, Soria. And Joseph, yeah, I know you said you did a little audition with Alyssa Diaz to get the role. Let, let's kind of let, let's kind of do that right now. You'll play Joseph. I'll play Alyssa Diaz. Let's see how that works. Hey, Joseph, you want to play? You want to play? I'll play. I'll play Alyssa play. Diaz. You gonna play Alyssa? You gonna be Alyssa? I'll play Alyssa. So what? What are you? What are, you are you saying you want to play her character as Gloria? Uh, yeah, I'll play her character. Her? You guys had to. You guys had that uh, audition together. So let's reenact it. How'd it go? Oh man. Um, shoot, what was the scenes that we played? Oh, we played. We played the first scene that that where I come home and I'm like, "Honey, I'm home." I tried to do that like, that uh, Ricky Ricardo thing. Okay, Hector. Then, uh, come on, Hector. Hey, what's up, baby? Oh, 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 fuck, I can't remember the damn dialogue. I'll, I'll have it. I'll do, I'll do my version of it. Hey, what's up, baby? What's your dinner? Uh, we got uh, some food, Hector. We got food? What kind of food we got? Uh, some lasagna, what? Hector. Baby, what's going on with your voice? You sound like a, like a, like a man right now. <laughs> you got a frog in your throat. Sorry, Hector. <laughs> Baby, I, I'm going to go back out, and uh, you need to take care of that and call me when you get it to take care of. <laughs> I'll take care of that, Hector. I'll take care of that. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Well, is there something you didn't tell me about, Gloria? <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Later. <laughs> oh, snap. Joseph, I know you're on Twitter, man. Where can fans connect with you on Twitter? Uh, you can find me at JJ Soria. That's S O R I A. Um, you know, obviously Twitter backslash whatever, whatever. And then that's my my handle. Um, huh. You can also find me on Facebook, where the, the handle is uh, JJ Soria O Eight. And of course, huh. Instagram, which is Instagram. You gotta give them all of them. JJ Soria, as well. Um, another quick thing I want to talk to you about, which I'm really excited about. Is uh, my other film Mission Park, which comes out later this year. You okay. got time for that, real quick? Definitely, go ahead. Uh, it's it's a film starring a couple of my my good friends, Jeremy Jeremy Ray Valdez, Walter Perez, myself, Will Rossar, and we play four friends that grew up together uh, as childhood friends. Uh, there's something that happens in early on in our life that <clears throat> uh, you, you know, it, it, it's something that. Um, it's just one of those things that when, when something like that goes down, uh, your ties are kind of just bonded together forever. Uh, what happens is we grow apart. Two of uh, two of the characters join the FBI. Two of us join a cartel. But what brings us back together is the fact that our lives have gone separate ways and now we're on different sides of the law. They come okay. back together. They're trying to, to break down this cartel. And 
a bunch of chaos ensues, and that's called Mission Park. But uh, talented actors in it, uh, Vivica Fox is in it as well. Um, and it's, it's, I give my most powerful performance to date, I believe, in this film. So okay. um, it should be out later this year, and uh, just check for it. Definitely, fans, check for all the great things. Joseph Julian Soria has going on. This man is big time. He's getting it done. Army Wives coming back in March on Lifetime. This man's got a whole bunch of movies coming out. He's got Mission Park coming out. He's doing it big. He's doing it big and support some of the great things Joseph Julian Soria has going on. Joseph, it was a pleasure, man. Love to do it again. Likewise. Good luck with all the things that you're doing. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Thank you very much. Take care. Joseph Julian Soria, one of the stars of Army Wives, doing big things, doing big things right now, really doing a lot of big things in Hollywood. Army Wives is a big-time show, definitely a big-time show. My wife is a big-time fan of Army Wives, loves it, loves it to death, really loves the show, really loves watching that show week in, week out. And I think it's going to continue to be good. I really do. I know there's going to be changes, but I think it's going to continue to be big time. It's a good show. Definitely check it out. A lot of twists, a lot of turns. Check it out. Support some of the great things Joseph, Julian, Soria has going on. Support Army Wives, which will be back in March on Lifetime, Sunday nights. So support it, support it, support it. Man, doing big things. Doing big time things. About five minutes left in the show, and we look at everything going. Kurt Schilling had some interesting things coming out this week. Talked about 2008, where he was dealing and struggling with issues in terms of getting, in terms of his shoulder, I should say. Uh, he said that somebody and a member of the medical staff for the Boston Red Sox had approached him about possibly taking some type of performance-enhancing drugs to get back onto the field. He talked to Kurt Schilling about that. Talked to Kurt Schilling about possibly using something. Now MLB comes out, the Red Sox come out, and they say this is a completely baseless claim by Kurt Schilling. Kurt Schilling sticks by it. He's quoted saying it happened. I informed the club, and there was other players that heard the conversation who I spoke with after. The club immediately informed MLB and they lost an investigation in which all parties were interviewed. If someone is saying it didn't happen, I'm not sure why, since the two people in the discussion are gone. I'm retired and the other person was fired last year, I think. But it doesn't shock me that people would deny it was an event, though I am unsure why. Well, Kurt, if, if it did happen, I could tell you why they would want that thing not to come out. I mean, we, we, we're we hearing all the talk about PEDs in all sports. I mean, Ray Lewis, a deer antler spray, and so on and so forth, uh, Lance Armstrong and, and some of the things he's done. And, of course, baseball. We all know the issues that baseball has had with PEDs. So it would make sense, Kurt, that MLB and everybody else would not want something like this to come out. But we all, let's, let's be real about something in terms of these PEDs. When, when we, we saw McGuire and Sosa belting home runs left and right during the, in that 1998 season. We, we've seen all those things. 
we we see all those guys doing all those things, getting incredibly big and putting up those crazy home run numbers. I mean, we all know what was going on. It didn't take a genius to figure out that somebody is on something. Somebody is doing something. Somebody is, is doing something. Something is just not right here. This is a record that stood for a very long time, and these guys are just crushing this record, blowing it apart. It doesn't make sense. And you mean to tell me baseball didn't know what was going on? They watched, and guess what? They enjoyed it. Bottom line is this. Bottom line is this with baseball. Bottom line is this. This was a game. You remember after the strike-shortened season in 94, this was a game that was having a hard time getting the fans back. And you remember fans were flocking to batting practices all around the country, seeing Sosa and McGuire just belt them left and right, left field, right field, center field, all over the fields, out of the field. I mean, we, we, we've seen this type of thing, left and right. So it's not a surprise when you hear a story like this. This is not really a surprise. Now, maybe Kurt Schilling, is it, why would he lie? What would be his reason to lie? Maybe to, to I know he's on the radio and on TV and everything. Maybe it's just to, to draw attention to himself, possibly. I don't think so. I don't think so. MLB says it didn't happen. The Red Sox said it didn't happen. But that doesn't mean it didn't happen. It's a possibility it happened. I, I don't. I don't know. It becomes a he said he said. Who do you believe? Who has the more who has more credibility here? Who do you believe? Who do you believe in this particular situation? Do you believe Schilling? Do you believe the Red Sox? Do you believe MLB? Got a hard time believing MLB because I know what I saw over the years with just watching as this stuff just happened, watching these guys getting bigger, stronger, faster, watching these guys doing amazing things, amazing things with these home run numbers. Watch those home run numbers inflate like a tire. I mean, it, it, it's just amazing. So in terms of credibility, I think I believe Kurt Schilling. But, well, I mean, we'll see how the story plays out. And, again, if this really did happen, are you surprised? Are you surprised? I don't think anybody should be surprised about anything that happens in terms of performance enhancing drugs with anybody. You know, always, you know, growing up, you're always told that if it's too good to be true, it's probably not legit. It's probably too good to be true. I mean, we we see all these guys in their 40s still doing amazing, great things. But you start to have suspicions now. So, and i got to do this real quickly because we're about to go. But you look at it, it's almost like a woman who's been cheated on by a man over and over again. And they come up with a – they find a good man. And, and they find that good man, but you know what? They're suspicious of that good man because they've been cheated on by all these other men. And that's the thing here. We, we see, you know, we, when we see all these different guys coming out using PEDs, using steroids, this, that, what have you, it's hard to believe the good ones. It's hard to believe the good ones. And I'll leave it there. I want to thank Moses Foku for stopping by.
Check his foundation out, Route53Foundation.org. Also, I want to thank Joseph Julian Soria of Army Wives. Follow him on Twitter, JJ Soria. You can listen to this show and other great shows, blogtalkradio.com slash pgam, where you can listen to this show and other great shows. Follow us on Twitter at go For everybody here, go for it. See you later. Take care. Bye.